I mean, there was something recently where the the priest said one word wrong, and yeah. then it's like the, invalidated. Now, how in the world can you like? To me, I'm like that. That makes no sense to me. Like you invalidate because he said one word wrong, and so that baptism, like in the heavenlies, something happened. Nope, we didn't get it right. You know, <laughs> like Peter, Peter's up there with his. He's got a structure up there now. That's like you know getting a nope. We didn't get that one right. Nope, those don't count. Don't count. He got a word wrong. You know, so that's yeah. that's the Protestant in me. You know, going what in the world's going yeah. on there? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I could go 20 different directions, I, I suppose, with that. Men, this is a reclamation project. Manhood in the West is broken. In our homes, in our cultural institutions, in the church. Real men have gone missing. We're here, a Protestant and a Catholic, to confront that reality with the wisdom and truth of our respective faith traditions. Join us as we move from mediocrity to mastery from apathy to action, from failure to freedom. Join us as we seek manhood restored. Mighty men of valor, welcome back to the Manhood Restored Podcast, where we spice things up in a world that cares only to assault and insult oh. manhood. <laughs> spice? Yeah, Girl. spice. Yeah, that's the today's episode is entitled Grill the Catholic or Protestant. I am your red hot host, Ben Neff. <laughs> With me is my mild Mannered host Chad Solly. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. You might need to be medium mannered today, as I'm going to be jalapeno today. Oh, okay. I'm going to be jalapeno grill. <laughs> <laughs> you man, you just that's yeah. Okay, you just have to say that. Yeah, I just had Can't to. Yep. yep, I had to. So you know, you let me take a step back here. A right, bit. you do have a, a a secret weapon to help protect you. And we're talking about spicing things up. Okay. And it starts with C. Uh, it's not Catholic. <laughs> um, I don't know. I you, have... you have There's one spice that is my uh, kryptonite. Oh, coffee? What? I don't no, see. no. A spice? Mexican. We go to the Mexican. Oh. <laughs> no. No, uh, no cilantro. No cilantro. I, yep, I keep so, thinking. Yep. So, <laughs> so you're big, if you bring the cilantro, okay, that's a <laughs> your kryptonite. It is green yep. too. For for our listeners, it's almost comical when I go out to Mexico. Long story short, I don't want cilantro because it gives me headaches because I think it moves toxic metals around. Look it up. You can don't just have a cilantro smoothie and think that's good for you, folks. It cilantro, might not is, cilantro is good in everything, man. It's good in everything except for it's a great detoxifier and it might actually do more harm than good. All right. <laughs> so anyway, so I go out to Mexico and I have to be like, no cilantro, no cilantro, no cilantro, like three different, four, and then the last time we were there, the guy's like, so you want extra cilantro? <laughs> so, All you heard was cilantro. Right, right. <laughs> And how many times I've been out to eat, I'll be like, no cilantro, no cilantro. I'll prophetically be like, they're going to bring me cilantro. (laughs) And sure enough, I'll be like, all right. So anyway, today we are going to give a new flavor to our podcast. Yeah. We are going to give something to to many of our listeners, the mayor listeners have been clamoring for. All right. Now, most of our listeners have at least one foot 
in the Catholic or the Protestant, and a lot of them have two feet, or at least in their past, into the Catholic Protestant world. You know, so we're really gonna um, kind of crack that open and look right there. Um, we both have questions about what other people believe, uh, the other beliefs, you know, and, and so so often we can't have that discussion, you know, and so about what it is that we believe and hold dear without causing a big knockdown, drag out fight. Yeah, tensions and yeah. emotions. Yeah. Yeah. This is a man this is a manhood podcast. Yeah, so we're gonna get rid of that. All right. <laughs> but but sometimes it is just misconceptions mm. that we have. Other times maybe there are drastic differences. And so today is the day that we are going to look at them. And I'm gonna take the lead. And so it's really gonna start with putting the Catholic on the grill. Catholic on the hot seat. Yeah. 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 And so I'm going to ask Chad five questions um, that uh, about the Catholic faith that I want to know. Now, this I'm putting him on the spot. He does not know I do not. the five questions I'm I asking. Guess. I mean, you can you certainly can guess <clears throat> what some of them would be. I, I have no doubt probably, but he does not know, so he's gonna have to defend, you know, their positions. Um you know, from there, uh, for, for what he believes and so forth. Um, now, I want to let you know that, you know, we are not a podcast that just has informational assent, okay? So yeah. uh, we're not, we're not, this is not like a detailed presentation about what the Catholics believe. And in fact, it's going to be more of what we've tried to do, a raw dialogue, a raw discussion about what we believe. So we may not articulate it perfectly because we're just kind of going on the cuff to try and explain it and discuss it in such a way. Now, if you Google this question, you probably can read a fancy article that will explain it, but that's not what we're doing here. Yeah, okay. Yeah. This is the average Joe. <laughs> yep. Just responses. Try, yep. Trying to answer basically almost in a way I'm stepping for the Protestants. I'm, I'm stepping into you're you're stepping into my shoes and asking you're you're gonna be oh, I always wondered that yeah yeah right <laughs> I always wondered that you know yeah so I think there will be you know the protestant you know <laughs> that's why I'm taking the lead because that's what in a way uh, Catholics have had to play defense because that's what happened with Luther he's, he's like hey these things aren't right and so he protested and then yeah. you know and it's like make your defense in the process of me asking these questions um, Chad may. Have he has some questions himself, but they may be answered in the episode. So he may ask me questions in the end, but we might have already addressed some of the questions that he has. So we're not going to do five and then take five back. We're going to just kind of get going and then see where it goes from there. Okay, not a formal debate. I yep. don't have comments prepared. Okay, and, uh, yeah, well, I did do more preparation than yeah, well, I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I like I wanted to make sure I. I Articulate win it. this. I mean, <laughs> oh, right? that's yeah. So that that you at the end of this will say, "You're right, Ben. I am converting." You know, <laughs> right, or vice versa. Right. That's what we want. I mean, some people are like, "My brain, Ben, get him, yeah. get him inside the church, okay? <laughs> Not just a church, the church." Oh, all right. That's you know? exactly what the Catholic would say back. Right. Like, that's yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. yeah that's right. their prayer. I know that. That's what your Protestant brothers have been praying for me, or Catholic brothers have been praying for me <laughs> to, you know, come to arrive at that yeah. great you know, thing. So, all right. So without further ado, let's begin. All right. All right. Here we go. Far away. Why do we have a Pope and how is he selected? 
Oh, you really want to know how we selected? That's I, a boring kind well, of a... Well, yeah, I mean, you know, we had original Pope, you know, something, right? Peter was supposedly the original Pope and would stuff. You, would you guys buy that? I, would you guys buy that he was like the original leader of the apostles or... Um, I'd have a tough time saying completely because from a Gentile perspective, it was almost like Paul was the leader of the For Gentiles, sure. yeah, you know? Yeah. So to me... It, Peter being the Pope, the first, I felt like there were two leaders, and I felt like Peter was the leader of the the Jews, you know, okay. largely, and then and then the missionary calling of Paul to the Gentiles is the way I kind of yeah. th- think of it that way. So seeing him as like the mm-hmm. Pope, you know, mm-hmm. and and even then, like for he become a he's the Pope, but he wasn't like. Wearing a fancy robe and a hat and all this stuff and <laughs> and blessing baby, you know. Like, no, did you? Where was the last time you looked at? Did you? I didn't, I've never seen a picture of of uh, Peter. How do you know he wasn't? How did? Well, how do you know he wasn't wearing any of that stuff? <laughs> I, I don't. Know, I've never seen yeah. a picture. Of well, him. well, I'm a, okay. we when yeah, because at some point I think the garb uh, evolved or something. But I'm, it, sure, I'm sure. I'm just getting yeah. a hard time. Like right. you got a, I, that's you got a ten type of Peter right. I've never so seen. So that's how <laughs> I and I have a tough time saying how do we start from Peter being like just wearing you know regular world Jewish or traditional um, garb to what we have today. Yeah, and it just to me, I guess what I say is seems so far. Mm away from what Peter was. Like, you know, if I look at what Peter was at leader of the church, but he wasn't like, all right, here's the giant, you know, or the Vatican and all this. And that was all established, you know, over a long period of time. Yeah. And maybe helpful to clarify, like how Catholics see the Pope. And I, maybe so from the outsider's point of view, it would seem as if like the Pope is a, I don't know, you tell me a dictator or a king or a I mean, almost like a godlike figure. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it's like, oh, the Pope said it. Yeah. All right, the Pope said it, and yeah. since and he's he's higher than us. He's the authority. And no, I can't authority is th- an appropriate word there yeah. for sure. Yeah. And and that's that's all I would say about Peter, right? Like it, in early church matters anyway. There often were were controversies or or and a lot of times they would they would look to Peter uh, to resolve those things or have the final word on them. So really, I mean, I think at the at least in terms of you trying to like say where could I see that in the early church? It, I think it'd be hard pressed to go through scripture and find a situation where Peter wasn't either like and, and the list was named first mm-hmm. over and over again. He was he was in these positions where they're like pointing to Peter, and at the time, right, he wasn't even like I don't even know for sure if he was quote unquote bishop of Rome. Mm-hmm. But he certainly was one of the first 12, right? Right. And uh, I see what you're saying. I, I definitely don't want to with, – with Paul. But I don't know. Was there situations where Paul um, looked to settle mat- church matters? If he's an evangelist, I mean, there are plenty of other um, yeah. personalities throughout history where they've gone out like a St. Paul, like your Billy Grahams of the world. But I don't know that they were – in a position where people look to him to settle a dispute finally. And I think that's really what the, your Peter is. Um, and I think it, what it's what in, in our understanding is like, there's that position is necessary and has been since the beginning. Cause how, how then are you to settle 
among, you know, a worldwide church matters of such great import, right? Like, um, think, think about some of the councils that were called and the kind of things that mm-hmm. they had tried to settle out, right. you know, among bishops. And it's not like the, the Pope does it all on his own. He usually does it in concert with other bishops throughout the world. But if there's not like a, if there's not like a consensus there, the Pope, somebody, somebody's got to make the final call. Otherwise we're all left. Mm-hmm. And that's where, that's where I've, our understanding of the, the papacy is like, Hey, Christ invested that authority, that final say, um, in Peter, the first Pope. And then that authority has then been passed on to 266, um, popes subsequently, you know? And so, our understanding is that way. And that's kind of what maybe you wouldn't see, like you said, the, uh, all the fancy stuff Yeah, that, that is, you know, it's, it's something that, um, just, just has developed or whatever you want to say it. Right. But I will say this, one of the titles for Pope is the servant of the servants of God. Mm-hmm. So he's not so much, he does. He has vested with that authority, so I want to acknowledge that. But he's not also this like dictator, this this king, where he lords that authority over. He is the servant of the servants of God. He's the vicar of Christ, and that he his sole purpose is just to safeguard. And how do you safeguard a truth? Remember, I think in a previous episode I called it the deposit of faith. How do you safeguard something if you can't finally have a say on the end? what that definitive conclusion or definition of something is something as crazy as like the Christ is both God, a hundred percent God, a hundred percent man, right? Mm -hmm. There was a, there was heresies early on the church Mm -hmm. time and again. And people were going out saying, no, Christ was this. He was, he wasn't really a hundred percent man. So they had to call a council to like work that out and thank God that they did. Mm -hmm. You and me, both, both Protestant and Catholics should be grateful for the fact that, there was this authority where they could finally settle a matter. We know now that hypostatic union. We we know Christ is both God and man. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so that I, I yeah. guess that's part of that, the and, answer. And that's yeah, that's a really actually really good answer because you know we we do need authority and stuff. Makes me think of two things. One, the Pope messing things up as far as just not having it right. Peter at one point, Paul and Peter had a had it out. Yeah, you know. Uh, I think it was Galatians, but basically Peter abstained from like eating with the e- eating with the Gentiles and stuff, and, and Paul had to call him out on that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is if we rabbit trail off that doesn't so the Pope doesn't always see it right, and then how do how do we deal with that? Or it seems like he's off. We gotta listen to the Pope, but even now our latest Pope seems to like not being safeguarding. Maybe yes. that deposit of truth, as you said, maybe. Yeah, I 100% agree there. I, I'm I'm struggling right now with the current pope. We've had, and to be fair, you know, out of the 266, I don't know if that number is correct. Um, there's been a ton of bad popes. Yeah, um, morally bad. <clears throat> I'd suggest we're living in an era where we have a pope here who's like, um, sort of a like a bad leader almost. Mm-hmm. In that 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 we look to him for this like consistency and this, yeah. W- w- um, Safeguarding, yeah, and sometimes it's like, where are you going? What'd you just say? And it's confusing. Mm-hmm. The opposite of what it should be, yeah. And we've been a little bit spoiled, right, with John Paul II and Benedict. 
before him, those were two guys that that did that in spades mm. in terms of providing clarity and safeguarded. Um, but yeah, so you're right. Uh, and maybe here's what you're going after, Ben, is there's the, I don't know that maybe a lot of Protestants are, have a problem with authority necessarily, but they don't like that concept of a infallible Pope. That's yeah. There you go. That was the word I was in my mind too. Yep. Infallibility. Yep. For sure. And that's a doctrine of the church that the papacy is, um, uh, has the charism of infallibility. Like almost like a, from the Holy spirit, a guarantee not to finally, and in a final doctrinal matter, um, teach error. Now that doesn't mean when the Pope's flying on the airplane, Pope Francis, that everything he's going to say is going to be right. Mm-hmm. He's still a personally flawed man, a sinner. Right. And so, yeah, it, it, he's not going to be right on every matter. So, but with the bad, so doctrinally, mm-hmm. has the church been 100% then? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's why, that's why I'm Catholic. Yeah. So you're saying like all the teachings that they have be 100%. Mm-hmm. So when and, and here's here's what might be helpful for you. There's only um, really a handful of um, authoritative uh, proclamations actually promulgated or like like sort of rubber stamped um, from the Pope through all the ages. Like ten, twenty, fifty. Uh, I don't know that. Okay. But it's but it happens so infrequently. So the, I think that that charism of infallibility is assumed that like, well, he's walking around and everything he spits okay. is gold. Okay, you know, it's more just like when he is operating. Okay, in the chair or in the seat of Peter, that's what we call that, like mm-hmm. the, the the that seat of authority. He's making that definitive. Remember, I was saying like the, the case of authority. He somebody needs to finally settle that matter. Mm-hmm. Think about all through the ages, how many councils there's actually actually been where they're needing to settle something that specific. That's what they mean Mm. with infallibility. It's like, he's going to have to come in and call it finally. Mm. Um, So there are doctrines out there where they've had to make that settling um, proclamation. And that's what we mean by infallible. In those cases, he'll never teach error. Mm. The Holy Spirit will preserve him. And there's nothing to do with how good that guy is. Mm-hmm. It's just the Holy Spirit granting it. In the same way the Holy Spirit has granted that of the Bible, right? Mm-hmm. Think about how the Holy Spirit has worked through fallible men to create, to write Scripture itself. Mm-hmm. We, were, we, we have no problem saying that, like the inerrant right. word of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess probably the thing I would say, Peter, um, <clears throat> I, I, I don't discount him but like this idea that then Peter's like, all right, I hand off to you. You know, yeah. I mean, in a way, that's it's not what he did because he died, you know. And then it's like, all right, who's next? So they had to decide. You even asked how they how we do that, right? Like, right, yeah. but and that might be something not Else. to get into. Yeah, but you know, I just think about that. So and you know, there's a couple of things I don't even think we'll crack open too much. I think you answered pretty well, but I think we Protestants will really think about priesthood of all believers, sure, and just the idea that we all. So you know. But but you honestly answered that well. Again, I I can see why you would hold that. Just the 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 authority, the final authority kind of idea there. So I, I uh, that's actually a pretty good answer. Um, let and me I, and I would just yeah, actually say I think I, I mentioned this, but when it comes down to it, like all of Christendom benefits. And and mm-hmm. here's what I worry. I know 
the papacy itself, and sometimes the Pope might make a, uh, any individual Protestant um, uncomfortable or like something to rail against, right? Mm-hmm. Because they're in this position. Maybe yeah. that's inevitable. Right. But it's kind of like, hey, just think of this. What would the world look like without a Pope? Right. Or for that matter, what would Christendom right. look like without a Pope? Well, well, and that worries me. Yeah. I was going to say, I'm picturing him in jeans and a t-shirt too, though. Oh, like, or, or his shirt off. And yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Carl Lentz. You know, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a good point. You know, that you know, kind of, the garb's kind of weird, but at the same time, I'm like, you know, yeah, the flip side is like, what you know, yeah. what, what, you know, there's no holiness to that. So it, it's certainly interesting uh, thoughts there. Let me jump to, I think the way I want to ask this one and because I have like five questions, but then there's sub questions, but yeah. For a lifetime Catholic, you know, someone who's born in the Catholic Church, when and how is a Catholic saved? You know, because oh. I know you're baptized, at, you know, so like at what point are you like, when, when they're baptized, you're saying, boom, they're saved. I mean, there was something recently where the the priest said one word wrong, and yeah. then it's like... They, Invalidated. Now, how in the world can you, like, to me, I'm like, that that makes no sense to me. Like, you invalidate because he said one word wrong, and so that baptism, like, in the heavenlies, something happened. Nope, we didn't get it right. You know, <laughs> right, Peter, Peter's up there with his, he's got a structure up there now that's like, you know, getting a, nope, we didn't get that one right. Nope, those don't count. Don't count. He got a word wrong. You know, so that's yeah. that's the Protestant in me, you know, going, what in the world's going yeah. on there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could go 20 different directions, I, I suppose, with that. Yeah. Um, so, so I guess to start with your original question, I'd say, I'd say, uh, yeah, when I baptized my newest here recently, um, although Sebastian had no personal sin, right. We're born with original sin. Right. Uh, so he had, he had that stain yet on his soul. And so baptism cleanses him of that original sin mm-hmm. and, um, saves him. Baptism now saves us, mm. whatever chapter and verse that is i think it's in peter one of the one of the peter epistles mm. um but you know well that, can, can i can i just chime in on that one maybe sure, and, sure. have you ever heard the phrase god doesn't have grandkids Mm-mm. okay in the protestant church we say something like god doesn't have grandkids so you have like this everyone has to make their personal decision almost like whether they're gonna follow christ or not that's what that okay. phrase means. Yeah. So, so this idea, but that what yeah. we're describing in a way is like God having grandkids because you're saying I'm going to take this child, it's entrusted to me, and we're going to baptize. And so yeah. they, you know, there's just you, you're you're bestowing almost some in in my mind like beyond you know like almost like you're because they're blessed to have you as the parent as a Christian already. Sure. Then they experience salvation. Boom! Right then, and boy, that, I'm sure that's deep. But you know, versus like in the Protestant the world, like we got to make a decision, you know, for yeah. Christ, you know. Yeah. So then you're in limbo till you're, and that's where, yeah, it's like, so my kids are in limbo till five or six or seven or eight when they can actually say, yeah, I believe Jesus, you know. Sure. So that's one of the toughest ones. Yeah, infant <clears throat> baptism, in other words, like. Yeah. Uh, um, so no, I I see where. The grand, I've never, I mean, I, obviously that's not a scripture verse. Like God has no grandparents. It's just a phrase somebody right. made up. Right. Um, but I would, if you're, if you're ready to start in scripture, I'm, I'm sure there's, you know, plenty of situations where there's whole households being, being baptized right. in scripture. So Cornelius would that, that's the one that jumps out at me the most okay. Cornelius in acts 10, I think where he was the first Gentile convert. 
and he comes to Christ, yeah. and then he says, "Here, my whole house will be baptized." Yeah. You know, he and his whole house was baptized as a profession of faith at yeah. that point when he professed. Yeah. And you Cornelius know, being the dad, yeah, I mean, he, yeah, he leading the, his, the, yeah, it was the Roman centurion, okay. I believe, if I remember correctly. Um, you know, and so, but I do remember the fact the whole household was baptized. Yeah, and I'm like, are they all professing? Have they all made? You know, what I'm saying, and like, they all made a decision, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, but they were all baptized, and then so they're saying they're all we're going to walk, pursue Christ together as a family based on the head, the man yeah. speaking up. So, I mean, I feel like I'm giving a pretty weak argument when I go, wait, are my kids saved? Like, you know, and yeah. uh, whereas you're saying like. I think it's for, for, for me and my understanding as a dad here, it's like a both and. So I, I'm, this is the baptism is a free gift. Like salvation is a free gift. Right. Mm. Um, in that it doesn't require anything. It shouldn't necessarily require anything, um, of our own. Um, in some way saying that, saying that your way of attaining salvation is by, professing I, I get that right you mm-hmm. you have to you have to believe there's, there's mm-hmm. but if, if your position is that salvation can't be um nothing nothing of you can grant you salvation because even even the grace to profess like that the grace comes bef- before you profess right i think you'd agree with that yeah. like it's yeah. not as if the, the profession is from us right there's a first grace that initiates that change in our hearts to profess. Right. Same, same difference here with baptism. It's like, if there's a such thing as a, a original sustain original sin, mm-hmm. no personal sin, right? So you're talking about your kids mm-hmm. and how, how many years they go by. There's no personal sin, but if God has uh, preordained, like this is how I claim this soul for myself, make them a child of God cleanse them from that original sin. I don't know why as a parent, I wouldn't do it. Like I understand that Sebastian, when he grows up, he's going to have to make that decision himself. That's what I mean by the both hand. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going to, as the dad and the head of the household, I'm bringing my whole household in mm-hmm. to the fold. I want those graces flowing from my, from my children. I'm not saying God's bound by the sacrament and he can't give grace to those kids apart from the sacraments. Mm-hmm. But if I know the sacrament does that, if I believe it, heck yeah, I'm doing it. And then I'm going to do everything I can as the dad then to raise them in the faith, just like a Protestant would, right? And this is that both hand. And I'm going to pray and hope that they take that, take hold of that themselves. And we have the sacrament of confirmation, which is supposed to do that. Mm. It's like almost like the second side of the coin mm-hmm. as a sacrament of initiation. You confirmation after the age of reason, mm-hmm. that child then says, in, in, in front of the congregation, I accept Christ as my mm. savior. So you, you, it ends up happening, mm. but we just don't delay it. Like as yeah. soon as I can get my kid in, yeah. um, those, I want those waters and I want that grace flowing. Okay. So um, running off of that, if yeah. a child um, is born, stillborn or just mm. instantly, you know, I mean, what's the stance of the Catholic church on that? You know, that's a really tough and technical and, and really, um, I don't know how settled that matter is. You know, you mentioned the word limbo. Yeah. I've not gone down that rabbit trail too much. I think I just kind of like, um, I retreat into, uh, the refuge of, um, 
God is a merciful God. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where we've been, even like if they weren't yes, like baptized, baptized like, like if anything happens to a one-year-old or something, we've kind of held to this, like God is a merciful God, and that child doesn't know, or they're brain dead, they don't know. Yeah. But, but to me, I guess what I'm hearing maybe uh, is that if, if the water the water doesn't get on them, right? But it sounds to me like a work, mm. you know, to be like the water's got to be on them. And that's where I probably would just push back, like, why is the water? We know the, the salvation isn't through the water, right? I don't know. John chapter three. And what, what, what's, what is that? Yeah. Where he's saying we're born of the water and, and the spirit. The, yeah. The, that's, so that's, yeah. Yeah. Not, cause, cause Nicodemus asks like, yeah. Doesn't well, he, he two doesn't, births is what I see it as. Well, he asked Jesus that very thing. He's like, how can I be born into, go back into my mother's womb? Yeah. He's like, no, no, no. Jesus, he clarifies. He's like, no. Right. Well, I guess what I'm saying, that first birth is the, there's two births he's Jesus referenced. And first is a water, born of water, your water breaks, you know, that, the, the natural birth. Mm-hmm. And then the second is a spiritual birth, you know, but not like, that's not first one, like the born of water, not like the baptism. I don't believe that's referencing baptism. It's referencing the, the first birth when it's saying born of water and the spirit. So the, that means like the waters of the womb. Yeah. So the initial birth. Yeah. Two birth. And then the salvation, the spirit. Why would, why would Jesus even bother referencing water? Um, and, and even talk about being born in like a mother's womb. I don't understand. I don't understand why that would be even significant enough to point out to Nicodemus. I think that's the idea of being the born again is saying there's two births. Cause that's what he's saying. You must be born again. So he's referencing the fact that if he's saying born again, he's saying the firstborn was the birth was the water birth that you experience as a child, mm-hmm. and the second is a spiritual birth. And even Nicodemus is like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But that was, first one is referencing back to that. So it's not to me a reference for baptism, a water baptism there. Really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess I just encourage going back to that that chapter, mm-hmm. uh, that section, and just being like. How is it that that's not baptism? And yeah, um, you know, because over and over again in the, yeah. in the New Testament, it, we're like Christ is advocating go and baptize. You know, like so. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yeah. No, I agree with that, but I I don't think that was a reference because I because it's just funny to me because you're, I'm like, how is it not referencing two births? Yeah, because he says born again, and then he say, no, there's two births right here: the water and the spirit. You know, and mm-hmm. so. In the, but yeah, that's yeah. No, I mean, it, yeah. I, that's that's uh, definitely with Catholic lenses. Mm-hmm. I, we're, we're seeing yeah. those waters being regenerative, mm-hmm. and um, the Holy Spirit, you know, like in Genesis, hovering over the waters. Yeah, that that's that's yeah the power packed sacrament that that is given to us. And you said like that seems like a work to you, but I have a yeah. tendency to think like if I'm if I'm putting on my children. That in order for you to be saved, you have to blank. You have to profess, right? Mm-hmm. Why is that not a work? Is the act right. of professing a work? Right. So the work of grace, Maybe, then the profession comes out after the work of grace has occurred, right? Is what you were kind of saying. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I, don't, I wouldn't push back on that. You know, work of grace, and then out of that comes out of the the heart, the mouth speaks. So he changes your heart. And then, you know, almost instantaneously, I say, then the mouth speaks, you know, it's just sure. like, boom, he touches our heart. Oh yes, I believe. Boom. Out, you know, so, so maybe I, that's I would, a, that's a helpful distinction because I think what we're, you and I are, I'm agreeing with what you're saying for sure, because that uh, 
salvation can happen that way. Yeah. But I'm I'm saying in the Catholic realm and I think biblically too, those the 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 validity and the power of the sacrament. Mm-hmm. We we just believe sacraments are given to us by Christ. Mm-hmm. And so it's it's like these these are ways, ordinary ways to access grace. Mm-hmm. So you're saying the grace comes and when does it come? It'll come at a moment when you least expect. It. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being like, I can, I can guarantee you, because Christ said it, not because of a priest. Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not trying to take credit anywhere. I'm just saying Christ said, here is the means to to get that grace. We mm. all want that grace. Yeah, it's the it's baptism. So why wouldn't you take advantage of that and those other moments of grace that come to you whenever? Mm. You know, that's that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah. Well, that's so that's, boy, a, that's a Protestant Catholic yeah, difference. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that yeah. definitely that brings life spicy, right? You know, that's it. <laughs> right. It's, that's I, 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 yeah. We should we should you and I apart from this, we should just go to John chapter three because yeah, I, we're I, I, you'd I, have to look at that more. But yeah, certainly I've looked it through different lenses, uh, and yeah. that's for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but and and that's just one one of the biggest areas is definitely baptism and and how we view that. But it's you know the second generation. You know, the first generation of Christians, when they come, it's like, whenever it is you come to Christ, you're baptized. But the second, like, you have a child, yeah, then you look like, when do you bring them into the fold, you know? Yeah. And that's the discussion that we have. You know, jokingly, though, I know somebody, and it could get long, but that's okay, it's a good discussion, I guess. Um, the Jokingly, somebody gave him a giant book one day. I, told, I don't know if I told you a story, like, this guy gave him a giant book, and it said, at the front, it said, everything in the Bible about... You know, infant baptism. Oh, you did tell me that. I thought you did. And then they open it, blank page, blank page, <laughs> blank page, blank page. And then there's really no evidence in the Bible scripturally that points to infant baptism, would be the, the argument there, you know, that. Other than the Cornelius thing we just talked about. I mean, there's. Well, other than when whenever they were converted, profession of Christ, you know, we don't know the instant, like, you know, like when they're born, you know. Yeah. If, if, he, if he is a household, if he is a, in Cornelius's household, if he had anybody below the yeah. age of reason, how could you say that any of them right. quote unquote professed? Right. Agreed. You yeah, know, so. so he's saying we're raising them up in the Lord. Yeah. And so when does that point of salvation take place? And I'm just going to go f- finish with, I don't see how when the, oh, the water landed, you're safe, you know, like type thing. Um, but it, that's my thing is like, if Christ said, and, and we believe John chapter three in that sense, like the water is, you know, like the waters, there's the, that, that back to that thing of baptism now saves us mm-hmm. where it's referencing the flood yeah, and like the, the flood waters essentially um, represent the waters of baptism. Like there's the imagery of baptism so all over. So that's back to Noah. Yeah. So, yeah. These, so you're referencing, I'd have to think that's where we have to talk more. So creation, yeah. Hovering over the waters and then the flood and, uh-huh. and that's referenced too. And I don't think I've thought too hard about those things that how they they all tie together, um, and of course Jesus is uh, you know the water you know the living yeah, water right, yeah the so water, yeah. yeah so that that gives me something to chew on. I, I will jump to um, I'm going to jump over this one because we kind of talk and we've had you know <laughs> piggyback questions, but this one probably is. I'm starting, they're progressing. We're just getting more up, folks, so get the gloves out. Like, <laughs> I felt like, no, I mean, uh, we're, no, we're not 20. We're like 30-some. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. There's more time before that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, no rush. Yeah, so I'm going to jump to this question, though, because, I, I I mean, they've been ascending order, and I think this will you know, maybe goes right into it, I think. What is your argument that purgatory exists? So, again, it's kind of almost like thinking about, right, you know, so tell me, you know, I again, I don't, I don't see a reference to yeah. purgatory 
that I can really feel comfortable with. I think think it's a really, really big stretch to really say purgatory exists. And what what and maybe even clarify what you understand purgatory is. Okay. Um, so we're to make sure we're talking about the same thing. And then, you know, how do you why do you believe it exists? Yeah, okay. So purgatory less is less a place than it is a process. Okay. Okay. So it's not a place, it's a process, okay? Yeah. I mean, because I think when we talk about it, it's like we we fall into the trap of thinking it's a there's heaven and hell, and then there's this third place. Yeah. And we're where the heck is that in scripture, right? You know, maybe uh, you could find something akin to that in the Old Testament in Hades, however they reference that. Mm-hmm. Shale, where yeah. where, you know, those souls who were faithful in the Old Testament but Christ had not yet come needed you know, they Christ hadn't accomplished, right? And so they were sort of in waiting, in the waiting room, mm-hmm. as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we just use that phraseology, like it, a purgatory is a place, um, just because we're human. But really, it's, it's purgatory is part of heaven. So that should be helpful anyway for us to have the conversation just because the church doesn't teach that there's a third way, you know? You're either going up or down, right. and if you're going if if you're going up, most of us will have to undergo a purgation, a process by which we can be in the full presence of God, the beatific vision. Um, you know, and, and the question becomes: uh, at the moment of death, how many of us are even ready for that? Like, think about God on the holy mountain, right? And yeah. and you can't even approach the mountain or lest you die. Mm-hmm. He's so holy. And so we're when we die, we still have this, like, the weight of sin. Though though that sin is not going to just though, our, though that sin is not going to preclude us from salvation, there's still this this baggage, like this um almost like a residual um, not a holdover, but like a um, collateral damage of sin. Um, how about how about t- temporal, temporal uh, baggage of sin? Like you know, when you and I sin, we're forgiven when we ask for forgiveness, but that sin has caused pain to somebody. A lot of times, that sin has broken something inside of us that still needs to be worked out. Though the though it's blotted out, right? The blood of Christ has washed us clean of that in terms of our judgment. Mm-hmm. There's a reality to sin that just doesn't go away in terms of what the results of that sin have been. And that and in us, the results of that have been uh, such that we're it's it's soiled us. It's it's like you know what's the what's the old analogy with um. Doesn't Luther have an analogy about like the dung heap where they're placing a, a garment over a dung heap? Um, I'm, I'm not, not familiar. familiar with that. No, I'm not familiar with that. I'd have to make a note to look that up. Yeah, I, I've heard something like that where it's like, hey, salvation, when um, when Christ saves you, you're just this dung heap, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's a, I think it's a more of a Protestant, it's, it's a Christian thing, right? Like we understand we're broken, we're messy, mm-hmm. we're not perfect. We don't need to be mm-hmm. to be saved. We just need the blood of Christ. You've said that over and over yeah. again. 100% agree with you. But Christ doesn't leave us that way. He doesn't leave us a dung heap. Mm-hmm. 
He cleanses us through and through. And part of the time that happens here on earth in our sanctification, right? That's maybe that's a maybe that's a helpful way for us to talk about as Protestant Catholic. It's like you guys, you guys are totally in on the sanctification part. That that there's this process of essentially right. growing closer to God, right? On Earth, yeah. Well, if you if you didn't get all the way done in terms of your sanctification, why would that when you die that need for sanctification stop? They're just gonna like God is just going to ignore the fact that you're still. I think that's not, it's a mercy in my mind that God would say, "Look, I still need to make you completely clean." to enter in to my chambers. Um, so scripturally, there's a couple of things that come to mind, I guess. One, um, well, absent from the body, present with the Lord is a scripture that Paul references. Which means? That we, when we leave, so when we shut our eyes. Yeah, when we die. We die, yep. So just like we go to sleep, all right? And, this, and the next morning we wake up, and there was no time in between whatsoever. In a sense, we are there, like, awake with the Lord. So when we die, we fall asleep. The Bible talks about falling asleep, and then we wake up in the presence of the Lord, and we are there. Coupled that with um, the scripture that they, I think the thief on the cross is for me. Jesus said today, I mean, tell me, how I guess, how Catholics contend with this. Today, you will be with me in paradise. Sure. Right? Yeah. That. that, that he didn't say today you're going to be in purgation or whatever, right? You know? <laughs> remember, remember, purgatory is part of. I mean, it's, but, it's, it's but where, part of. Well, I still don't know where, like the, like. I mean, I get the sanctity. of it. Like, so I see that's a strong argument, I guess, but I, I don't see it as a scriptural argument. Like mm. that, you know, there's an evidence that we have to go through that, you know, process there. I feel like scripturally we're awaiting a judgment once we're appointed to die and then a judgment. So yeah. what I see is the closest thing I can see is purgation is awaiting judgment, but we are in paradise. There's not like a process going on. We're just awaiting, you know, that, that final judgment. So, so the, you know, the, the, we're, it's yeah. settled, you know, heaven and hell is settled here in this life that we decide what we do with Christ here determines our eternity. And yeah. there's no jumping from one side to another. Yeah, everybody that's in purgatory is in heaven. I mean, yeah. it's, a synony- so, it's like a synonymous. So even the Hades, like the waiting place, you know, the kind of reference. Yeah. Like, so I believe that, yeah, the paradise, one's in Hades and they're waiting, but they're that's set. Their final judgment is set here. Yeah. And then the others are in paradise, and that and the rich young ruler again. So I'm trying to get as many scriptural references. Sure. I got the rich young ruler, uh, a rich no rich man and Lazarus, not rich young ruler. Rich man died, and then he's the, you know, in Hades in torment, you know. And then the others, the the beggar Lazarus is now at the bosom of Abraham, and, and you know, and he's requesting to Abraham, you know, it's in you know, hey, go back and tell my brothers and all this, and you know, I'm in torment. Yeah, you know, but it's just, he's like no one can cross this chasm, so that's referencing. But you're not saying purgatory is that, you know, because you're, you're no. agreeing to that. But just my idea is like your place is set, and yeah. and there's not necessarily a process. I don't see any evidence that the process is going on. Okay, in the others. Well, the, side. if I have to go scripturally, and I'm not going to be great with um, you've actually one of, one of these two. There's two yeah. scriptural references. Yeah, I know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, there's two of them though. There's 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 one, and I think it's in Matthew where. There's a there's a lady, uh, or no, it has something to do with being in prison and having to to pay your last dime or something. Okay. Do you know you know what scripture verse that is. Um, 
Um, I should have been prepared because I should Well, like you won't get out. I, I remember. You won't get out until you pay the last something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Everything that you owe, basically. Yeah. So, so I know I've heard that as a reference and that makes sense to me. It's like, all right, well, in some sense, we, with the vestiges of sin, we, we imprison right. ourselves. It's not like Christ is holding us back. He's just like, no, no, you're, I welcome you into my kingdom, but I'm not going to leave you, um, in your own, in your own shackles. It's, and it's right. gonna, that process of making you ready mm. to be released from, from all that baggage not, not from the judgment, right? I know that's. I know you get this smirk on your face because I know you're like, see, that sounds like you're, you're, you're negating the work of Christ. Yeah. No, no, this is all part of the work of Christ. Like, it's only by grace that the purgation happens. There's not anything hmm. we've done. It's, but I think what I, what worries me is that if Protestants don't like that concept of the purgation, I think it's just almost like a, like a, you're just pain averse. Like Man. you just don't want to suffer anymore. You just want it's almost wish, wishful thinking to hmm. say, well, when I die, it's just gonna be. Beautiful. This is it's immediate. Yeah. As, as if I don't need to do anything. Christ done it all, he did it all for me. So there's nothing still yet for him to do to me. Right. So I mean, so I'm I'm picturing the judges a couple of things. Yeah, definitely. It's you see the differences. I'm like, all right, okay, no, the the judge stand before the judge, and he, you know, your sin, you know, Christ is your sacrifice, and so then our sin is removed. And Scripture says far as the east is from the west like yeah. it's in, it's gone completely mm-hmm. so if it's gone completely what do we got to be cleansed of right that's what i'm like saying like you know it's it's gone there should be no process like whatsoever we are he you know wiped yeah. clean and so same thing i guess even our own kids is like i forgive you welcome back to the home like you know oh we got to clean you up some more like well it is like know. in the case that okay so if our kids in trouble mm-hmm. right i'm trying to think of something one of my kids has done recently yeah um Okay, John Paul, not John Paul, Isaiah, my three-year-old, right? Yeah. He trashes, he trashes our, 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 he locks himself in the bathroom. I find out when he's knocking on the other side. Mm-hmm. And when I walk in that bathroom, Ben, yeah, the water is flowing to the top of, and is overflowing the sink. Mm. The butt paste is all over <laughs> everything. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Everything's just a mess. So I forgive you, Isaiah. I he needs to be punished, right? He needs to know, don't do that again. Mm-hmm. I forgive you. And then I just walk away. Leave the bathroom the way it is? All right. No. Well, the, you know, that bathroom isn't in heaven, though. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, don't we, when we die, then like all the, the pain, that all that pain, all that hurt, all that, I mean, like, when we die, like, that's gone. Like, you know, when my mom passed on, like, she's in the presence and like that pain, she's not experiencing pain and none of that that's on that earthly body, so to speak. Right. Isn't that gone? How about this then? Okay. I'm trying to, trying to come up with another yeah. analogy. Yeah. Um, and I, I'll give you the other scripture reference too. It could be that us coming into the presence of God is painful. Mm. What do you think about that? Birth can be painful, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, I, so like you ever, you ever, you ever done this, you ever done this, you ever, you ever, um, you ever been in a dark place for a really long time and then come in the light, you come in the light and it hurts your eyes. Yeah, I'm I'm sure if 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 the rebirth is really like gonna happen when I die, then yeah, like the rebirth. Well, you know, like we're born again type thing. But 
I think I picture I'm picturing coming out of a womb now, okay. you know, like again, the womb of the world, right? Now. Womb of the world and into <laughs> Christ. If that, you know, I mean, it might be a little awkward for a moment of, oh, what's going on here? Okay, the light. Whoa, yeah. Okay, I mean, I guess I could, you know, like I don't know if that's the closest thing to it. Is it's just a little like shock value? What happened? You know? Yeah. So. There's a movie called Maze Runner, the very beginning of Maze Runner. Ever seen that one? Uh -uh. Okay. And then they basically, they start out, they come up like a, and I'm not ruining this for anybody. Um, They come up like a, they're in a cage and they come up and and out and into the light. (laughs) Oh, okay. You know, and it's like, oh, what's going on? They have, they have no idea how, like no recollection. What is their first memory is just like coming up that cage and then they're out and then boom it's like what's going on you know so maybe like that maybe but but that's why it's an analogy it's right like for us coming from a dark place to a place of light literally is only going to be painful for a short amount of time it will adjust our eyes will adjust but how much more adjusting needs to happen in the very presence of the holy of holies like we we have been living in this life even though it's a life Mm -hmm. of grace Mm -hmm. and we are saved the, to come fully into the the throne room, as it were, yeah. like how yeah. are we just like that ready for it? Because we we bring our bodies, we bring ourselves into heaven. It's not as if we separate from. Well, your body. I mean, our soul goes right, right, but, but a bit, not, not our body. Our body's left here, right? Yeah, but in the in the consummation of 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 um, you know, of, of our, our bodies weren't left here for good. Well, we'll get a new body, right? Right. So this one is still our gone. Bodies. It's still our bodies, though. But it, it's not a different body. Like you, Ben Neff, your body will, it, it, while it be glorified, it wasn't like Christ was a different person. It was the same person when he. I when was, he was hoping I'd get a whole different body with bigger <laughs> muscles, all right, and full wavy hair. I don't. You're depressing me even more now. If you're saying I'm this body's gonna be stuck with me for eternity. <laughs> you are your body, though. I'm my soul. I just this is a shell. No. Yeah. This it's is an sh- animation of your soul. My body is an animation of my yeah. soul? No, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, well, if I slap you, if yeah. I slap you, I'm not slapping your body. I'm slapping Ben. Yeah, but then when I die and you see me in the like uh, casket and you go slap me then, I ain't going to feel a thing because I'm no longer there. That shell, I'm gone, right? You, But you will, I'm saying you will eventually. When, you, when, when, when the end of time comes and you are in the heavenlies, you will... That glorified body, like Christ, when we saw Christ, yeah. rose. That glorified body recognized me. Yeah, it, it's it's the yeah, same. So I look better looking than that. <laughs> well, I'm sure. I hope right? so, like, man. Yeah. That's depressing. Okay, here, so I guess here's what we can agree on. I think to unite under the fact that you know we have to come to Christ here in this life, and then like we will be with Him, you know, forever and eternity. And I'm saying instantly, boom, nothing needs to occur. And you're still saying there's got to be a process that has to take place, but it's not a middle area. And you're not swinging from Hades to heaven and vice and versa. Back again. No, yeah. Yeah. at least, at least dis- let's dispel that. Like don't, don't um, put, set the straw man up for Catholics and say like, see purgatory. It's just, it's another way of like trying to take detract from the, the finished work of Christ. And it's, it's all Christ's right. work. It's all his okay. mercy. Okay, one more question about the purgatory, because sure. I just remind me then. Wasn't it originally somebody people would pay money in this life? Yeah, there's your indulgences. You're gonna get into and in, indulgences. So you have to pay money and then that would help move them? It's the re, it's the remission of temporal the indulgence would be a, a remission of temporal punishment. So, Again, so that's that purgation is is not it's not that if if I don't go through that, I'm going to hell. It's like 
it's like you're in heaven and you got to go through this. Right. So you give the, you giving money here on earth for somebody else helps their purgation. Well, the money thing, the money thing gets convoluted, right? And has been abused, but it's more just like, uh, we've talked about this, like our, the, how effective our prayers are, are we, and a lot of times prayers can come in the form of sacrifice, a sacrifice that might be like fasting or almsgiving. Mm. Okay. So you, you, you know, you're doing something as an offering, right? And you can offer those things to help another person in the spiritual realm. Mm-hmm. And that's all it is. I mean, it's going to get conflated and, and unfortunately it has been abused, that yeah, give me give me this money, and I'll promise you that your loved one, you know, is. <laughs> but it somehow helps with sped, it though. Sped by, huh? But it still helps to like give money. Suppose the Catholic- yeah, that that'd be the alms giving part, right? Yeah. Like, so so um, because you're making a sacrifice, and that will help you out if you if you pass, and I'm Catholic, I convert, and I'm I go and I alms giving, and then like that'll help you get through this process of purgatory. Yeah, well, it's, it's, I guess it's an appeal, right? Like an appeal to God in the same way a prayer is or a fast is, an appeal to God on behalf of someone else. I'm going to make this sacrifice um, as, as, a, as a way of like, um, you know, taking something from my own, my own um, stores or whatever. Okay. To, uh, to ask God to accomplish something for somebody else, a, hmm. suppl- a supplication, you know? Yeah. Well, that, the boy, that's, that's stretching. <laughs> no. Yeah. That, that seems like a big stretch. Yeah. And it, it sounds and, a little, when it's, when I, I start to say a phrase of it smells like pee and it, there is pee. And if it's, it seems woo woo, it seems yeah. like to me, that seems a little woo woo right yeah. there, you know? Yeah. Like any, any, like any of the beliefs and I, and it's hard to go, you know, from purgatory down to indulgences in such a quick way. Mm. Like <laughs> I have to study on, I, I can't, uh, I can't give you the, the, the quick soundbite mm-hmm. version yeah, of yeah, that. Yeah, that's a whole nother, you know, to, obviously to we're, you know, yeah, we're, you know. Indulgences is a tough one. Like it's not one that, um, I, you know, I'm necessarily comfortable explaining either. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, purga- purgatory. And I wanted to throw that, that verse out. Don't let me forget that verse. You've referenced the verse about. It's in Corinthians about their works being like tested with fire and stuff. You know, it you says will you will be saved, saved as but, through yeah. fire. Yeah. I, I always thought that was more judgment. I just picture that as the like the day of judgment, our works we, you know, you know, and burned away, burned or, away, and then that determines your reward. I never thought seen as saw as a process, but more that day of judgment. Okay, that's what I pictured there. Yeah. Um, we've caught on a lot of things. That there's one okay. big elephant oh, in the saved, room. You saved the last. Yeah, so there's kind of yeah. We, I, I definitely have probably going to get five questions in. But this is the one. The you hit me with the most one. uncomfortable one with indulgences right there. So I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you caused some damage. That was a tough one. Uh, yeah. Well, that's this one right here is probably it, it, when I there's so many good things I think I've seen the Catholic Church and I have a lot more respect knowing you for the Catholic Church, the faith, knowing that believers can people can come to Christ across the spectrum and stuff. But probably my biggest hang up right here. Okay. Yep. Mary. Oh yeah. I knew you were going to ask that, but I had to kind of yeah. forgotten. Why does Mary get such a prominent place in the Catholic church when scripturally, I don't see how you can arrive there. Like I just, I mean, I would say from a Protestant perspective, it is worship of Mary. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it'd be a hard time because when I it seems like in certain people, especially exacerbate that and be like, 
Okay, yeah, I, you, she's from what I understand, you know, and I didn't talk about intercession of saints because we've discussed that before. Um, you have to go back to one of our bonus episodes to listen about intersection of saints. So I try to talk about things this, and this has probably been my biggest hang up. Like, I, it makes me really uncomfortable. Okay, Mary, I just feel like that she she takes places that only Christ really should be in my mind. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you want to make your best case, but again, why does Mary get such a prominent place in the Catholic church when scripture, I don't see where you can, how you can write there. So I just don't yeah. biblically, like I just, don't, I I'm, we're stretching it. Okay. Well, I'll give you a soundbite answer. Okay. If you like those. Well, I mean, you can give me whatever answer you want at this point. Yeah. <laughs> so the, the easy answer is uh, why do we, it's because we love Jesus. Okay. But I love Jesus, but I don't, I don't, right? My my prayers go straight to him already, right? You know? Sure, so, sure. But, but I, I guess the, the, I think it begs a question back to you in some sense is that if you love Jesus, why don't you love Mary? I love Mary, but I don't, I'm not praying to her. I'm not, I'm not asking her to intercede or I'm not, you know. Okay. So like anything really, I think where I'm currently at, because I've debated the intercession thing, like I'm not. I'm not asking mother to pray for me or I'm not asking anyone that has gone beyond to pray for me that it's really just my prayers are straight through God. God can handle everything and filter everything filters through Christ in Jesus name I pray. And so I, I'm not requesting what I'm going to say any saint, a lesser saint, you know, any saint that has gone on to intercede on my behalf. You know, I'm going to go, everything's going to funnel through the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus Christ. Well, and, and so you say you love Mary. Just, uh, sorry, I'm not, I'm not dodging the question, but I think it'll help for clarity's sake. Um, like, so what ways do you love Mary? What, how, how do you show your love for Mary as a Protestant? How do I show my love for Mary? <laughs> I, I, you love I just, her. it's appreciate, I have a deep appreciation, then we'll go with that. Like when I say love, like for the fact that she, she was faithful and birthing, you know, a savior, you know, and her testimony there, I guess, is what I would say. Okay. I mean, just, you know, her example of what she did, you know. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe make it more, maybe maybe make it more personal then. So you, you love your mother, your mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and how, how do you, how did you and how do you love her? What, what ways do you show that you love her now? I said, "Love you, mom." <laughs> I mean, even you know, yeah. in this, I mean, honor her with the way I live my life, things like that. I guess you know, think about then what she had said to me, notes she gave me, things like that. Yeah, you keep you keep yeah. those notes. Yeah. Do you have a picture of her at the house? Yes, I have a picture of my mother. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, do you so, do you talk about her? Right. With your kids. So. Yeah. Okay, so you're making that. So you're kind of making the case like that's the way you approach it with Mary. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, I mean, th- at least at least for at least to start with, let's think about how you, we naturally approach our mothers, mm-hmm. right? Um, certainly, you would. So, so if I want to know you, Ben, better, I mean, this this is right. actually this is this is helpful because this is how it's happened actually for you and me. Like I've gotten to know you better, and uh, as a friend through your mother. Through knowing your mother. I, and actually, I feel like because I, I, I've taken an interest in your mother during during the time of her passing and subsequently, like I feel like I'm giving more honor to you in our relationship as friends because of that. Mm. Wouldn't it be odd? Wouldn't it be odd if we're, if we're 
to, to be friends, grow in our friendship. And, and, and you wanted to tell me about your mother. And I said, Ben, stop talking about your mom. I don't want to, I don't care about your mother. I just, I just want to talk about you. You'd be like, well, my, so much of who I am is my mother. Mm-hmm. And so why would we do that? Why would we do that with Christ? Why would we say, why would we be so jealous of our relationship with Christ that, that we would want to like discard some of the most important people to him? Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how close, I don't know if you guys contemplate this, but part of my contemplation and my devotion to Mary is like how, and this, and this is why I said, because I love Jesus, how close Jesus and Mary would have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, can you even th- think about your own, your own wife and when she's holding your children and the degree to which that closeness just is an unseparable bond. Mm-hmm. Christ and Mary had that. And so if I want to know more of the person of Christ um, and I, I want to honor that relationship that I have with him, I, I can't help but be like, I want to know who your mother was. Especially when it's like he really gave her to us from the cross. You know, when, when he looked down and, and said, uh, um, behold your mother yeah. to, to John. Yeah. I mean, that, that's our understanding theologically is like he was, he was that, that beloved apostle, John, he was like saying that mm. to us as his followers. Mm. Behold your mother. Take your mother into your home. Oh, okay. And I don't know. I don't know how that's. I don't, I don't see that as, a, as like a competing thing between Mary and Jesus. It's like even, even doctrinally, Ben, um, anytime we have a doctrine about Mary, and I, I, get, I get it, right? Mary, sinless. Mary, yeah. assumed into heaven. Right. Uh, Mary, mother of God. These are, these are titles that you don't just throw around yeah. like willy-nilly. You, they're serious claims, right. but they're always in – they're always, always, always in defense of a doctrine of Christ. Hmm. So a lot of times our appeals to our claims about Mary are because that is how we're able to um, better understand Christ. So the doctrine of a uh, basically she, original, she was withheld from original sin is what I understand, mm-hmm. right? That so, so like, is that in a sense that she never sinned when she was on earth? So, yes. So, so does that mean that the, cause, cause I mean, for us, I guess in my world, we say the only one who's ever lived the perfect life is Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we would definitely, I guess we would call that hair. Yeah. We call it heresy to say that, no, you can't say that Mary never sinned. She never talked back once to her mom and dad, you know, right. Mm-hmm. Because we're saying that all Adam and Eve, every single one, right. Mm-hmm. You know, was, not perfect, you know, in, in the regard. I mean, although they did lots of things that were right, they were not perfect, but it sounds like the, the Catholics are saying, teaching is saying there's two perfect people, Mary yeah. and Jesus. Yeah. And Mary, I guess the the distinction that's important to make is that Mary wouldn't have been uh, perfect or sinless apart from a grace. Mm-hmm. She would marry, you know, full of grace. Right, I mean, full is a is a word, weighty word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's not just like you got a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, you're filled. Hundred percent. Yeah. So if you're filled with grace, where is there room for sin? So it's one of these things where it's like it was almost like preemptive grace, mm-hmm. right? 
but you know, right before you're about to fall, somebody stops you from mm-hmm. falling. That's still a grace. It's she is not part of her own merits. Right. It's still the grace of Christ that that prevented her from sinning. And the reason why we would say that's a protection for Christ is that look, the king of the universe, the the word, the logos, comes to earth mm-hmm. yeah. in a human vessel. Right. Like like the the tabernacle. Um well, like the Well and the, yeah that brings up I did not until I did the Exodus ninety. One day I was reading and then yeah. they, they referenced the Ark of the Covenant. Ark of the Covenant. And I went and then they said, and that's none other than Mary. And I about fell out of my chair. I mean, I, I never just heard that. No, I never heard that. It's such a you know, typological my, my buddy, thing. It's my so buddy cool. Tom was doing with me. And yeah. I was like, I sent it to him and I'm like, have you heard this? And we're like, you know, no, <laughs> right. no. Like, he was like, what? Where'd you read that? I'm like in our devotional today, yeah, you know? And he's yeah, like, yeah. and so I, I've never like, and I'm so seeing the Ark of the Covenant was this idea that held the holy, you know, yeah. holy, yeah. And so you're saying that Mary is the is representative of the Ark of the Covenant. I just Ark of the New Covenant, Ark of the New Covenant, right? So I've never, but I still am like I I I don't I don't see how we're making that connection. Though. Well, think about how how like specific God was to the Israelites to mm-hmm. make that Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, like I mean, yeah, and how how ornate and how like it had to be just so. These colors, these lengths, mm-hmm. all this stuff, gold, yeah. right? Purity. Gold is like purity. It represents mm-hmm. purity. And so how is it that he's just going to send his only son down to earth and and less less of a, 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 a you know, like it would seem incongruent, right? With why would God do that here over here for mm. what, what's in what's inside the Ark of the New Covenant or the old covenant? Yeah. The um, rod of Aaron. Yeah, rod of Aaron. The tablets. Yeah, the words of God. Yeah, and then the bread, the mm-hmm. the manna. Aren't all three of those things representative of Christ? So they're saying he was the yeah the bread. He was the bread come down from heaven. Bread come down from heaven. He's the word of God. Yeah, and he was he's like that priestly authority that Aaron, the 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 staff of Aaron. Mm. Uh, um, all those things in Christ are in the womb of Mary, and so. Mm. It would just be fitting, and so that's really mm. where I say, look, a lot yeah. of these doctrine, doctrines of Mary are just to preserve the integrity of a of a doctrine of Jesus. Mm. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, if our listeners can't see, they can hear in your voice, but you're definitely passionate about that. Yeah. You can see, like, that's yeah. definitely, you know. And I guess I'll have to reflect on more, just because I feel like I'm looking for a scripture that says from Jesus, like Mary is the Ark of the Covenant, or like mm. you know, I just feel like I feel like the tension didn't like Jesus didn't necessarily draw that much attention to that. Like, I feel like I would see him pointing in a, a, a reference specifically to sure. that. And I, I guess that's because that's not there. That's why I have a hard time, I guess, swallowing that pill. I think you make the argument very well, honestly. The Old Testament certainly points towards yeah. it and there are references in yeah. you, but I see what you're saying. Like there's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'm looking for this like, Prophetic thing. I a couple of other things. I just I think we've uh, gone probably maybe even the intercession thing. I talk one. Um, Paul never tells us. Wouldn't Paul tell us to use Mary as an intercessor? You know, or like some sort of scriptural reference, even from Peter, to be like you know there. And I don't see any reference. So you make like your case well with what you just said with Mary, but then just as an intercessor to take that one step further to say. Now I'm going to talk to Mary. One 
you know, she's not equal to God. So we're going again using Jesus as our intercessor. Yeah. Paul never says it. Peter never says it. And in fact, even Jesus at one point, I know we talked about the water and the wine being, you know, him listening to her request. But then later, uh, and the scripture reference Matthew 12, 46 through 50, Jesus actually ignores the request when they come, I believe, to Capernaum and they're like, hey, come out. And Jesus, I don't know if you ever heard that, but Jesus is like, no, who are my mother and brother? Yeah. And yep. so it seems like almost a rejection there at that point uh, where he didn't listen to his mother's request, mm-hmm. you know, and so. All of that to make my case. That's why I don't feel strong to to you intercede to her. Then, even if you make case, even if she has, you know, withheld from original, you know, all that, you know, even if she was withheld from original sin, special place, all that. But then, for me to then say, all right, Mary, you know, intercede for me. Yeah, and all I would say um, again, this isn't going to be a biblical reference, and I know that's what you're looking for, but. Um, I'm not saying that there's not biblical references, but what I want to say about what your comment there is that you got to remember with Peter and Paul and even Jesus, like Mary is there with them present. Like she, she's living in those moments with them. So like a lot of times when they're making commentary, right. Right. In terms of when, when it became, um, sort of a thing, right. Uh, uh, to, to venerate Mary tradition. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I mean, Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't take that as a curse word. No, I was, yeah. it's, it's a word of beauty in my mind. But right. yeah, like, I mean, so it's not as if like everything that God did happened in the span of a couple of years mm-hmm. early in the church. Like mm-hmm. God is working now and and has been working since then, mm-hmm. right? And so, if Mary was alive through most of those scripture, and you're looking for somebody to say we pray to Mary, well, she was like with them. Mm-hmm. She was with them in the upper room, right? Mm-hmm. John would have taken taken her to a place. In fact, she lived in Ephesus, um, in Turkey, and you can still go to that house actually, mm. where she where she lived. And um, so, anyway, it's like she would have still historically she still would have been around. I don't know if you guys have seen that episode with the Chosen. I I so appreciative of what they did um, with that episode, the Christmas episode. Yeah. I'm trying to remember it, but yeah. And Mary Magdalene uh, got the story, right? Yeah. Comes, yeah, yeah. Comes to Mary and just the way they treat that. Yeah. I'm like, that's so reverent of her. Yeah. And who, think, just think about who she would have been to them. Mm-hmm. That's, that's why, that's why I just can't get through my mind. Why, mm. why Christians would, I think that the, the, the knee jerk for the Christians, or at least maybe with Protestants is like, well, that's a Catholic thing. So I'm going to set mm. Mary aside. Well, stop it. Mm. It's not, a, yeah. it's not a Catholic thing. It's a Jesus thing. Like, come on. Think about her apostles and how much they adored Mary mm. and how much Mary was a part of everything they did, that they did. Mm. Now, Mary dies and you're going on and you're handing down authority and you're moving on. Like, of course, a devotion, a, a veneration of Mary begins to develop. She was our Savior's mother. Mm-hmm. And I guarantee you the first time somebody tried to denigrate her or cast dispersion upon the name of Mary, St. Paul is pulling out the weapon. Like he's about ready to defend somebody. That's his mother. That's his spiritual mother. Mm. And the same way you and I be like, you know, the old mother joke thing. Like I think Catholics kind of get that way. It's like, mm. no, don't, don't talk. Don't. And in fact, don't even, don't even downplay mm. my mother. She means that much to Jesus, and she means that much to me because mm. He has given her to me as my spiritual mother. So anyway, um, yeah, that's all I would say. Yeah. Well, I would have to say you actually answered that really well. Okay. I mean, I mean, yeah, thank you. I, I, that's you know, any, I think Catholics should be proud of your, uh, <laughs> uh, 
defense of that. I mean, like I said, I'm not I'm not planning on going to to intercede, you know, ask Mary for intercession, but I think you really show why she's so special. The and yeah, making the point like those those apostles and stuff were like, yeah, I mean, they were definitely protective of her yeah. in a large way, and they did adore her. There's no doubt in my mind that they would have adored her. And there would have been no, like, yeah. con- uh, conflation about, is she, a, is she a, like, divine? Mm-hmm. And But there's all, there also wouldn't be a conflation about, if we give attention to Mary, is that going to take her attention away from Jesus? Mm. <laughs> like, they would, have, they would have been taking care of Mary in her old age. And they know darn well they would have given glory to God mm. and honored mm. their Savior. Yeah. That's all we're supposed to be doing, I think. Um, so, yeah. yeah, I love yeah. that episode. Go watch that episode if you're like – Yeah. Because that, that really episode, gets yeah. to the heart of it. Yeah. yeah. So, well, that, I pretty well cleared up my, my questions. Cool. I, I didn't – I tried to avoid – because we talk about tradition and word of God, so I actually jumped over yeah. and getting into that yeah. for the time thing. But, I mean, we've talked a long time. This is more like a man talk length, but – It is. Yeah, that's fine. This is a man talk, okay? <laughs> what what questions you got for can me? I, or, can yeah. I ask two? Sure. And I'm, I'm not going to. I'm not going to go into. Um, I just I just want to clear the air, okay? Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Actually, we touched on a couple of these, so I can kind of cross them out. Yeah. Talk with the Pope, I knew you'd go there. Mm. Um. Okay. So first off, do you believe then that Catholics aren't Christian? Hmm. So. Well, I think I've cleared that up in my thing as a follower of Christ. In in was it I'm in last episode? You know, like the, but uh, you know, you no, know, I believe that some somebody asked. Uh, I think I might reference this. Um, Frank Turk, he's an apologist about whether yeah, or not. Yeah, yeah I, I, I reference. I'll mention again, but you know. Can a Catholic be saved? And he's like, I have such a belief in the salvation of Christ that even a Baptist can be saved. You know, <laughs> right. you know. And it's just so funny because, yeah, exalting like Baptist is like all about praying the prayer and accepting Christ and you know conversion evangelism. And you know, he's like, anyone can come to Christ. And he's like, yes, of course. You know, so no, Catholics are definitely Christian. And again, you know, my relationship with you being able to articulate your positions. Yeah. Um, and the mistake I used to, what I had a problem with is when I would ask people like, what do you believe? And they'd say, oh, I'm Catholic. Thanks. Like bullet points. What's that mean? You know? Well, and the, and it, I think for a lot of problems, it's like uh, they start licking their chops, right? Yeah. Oh, you don't know what you're talking right. about, do you? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and for many of them, they don't. So yeah, to be sorry, able, yeah. but to go to the, the source of somebody who's actually studied it and looked at it and been yeah. like, all right. So yes, I believe that we will see each other in glory. That's why I don't. I don't try and convert you to Protestantism mm. because I believe salvation can come through the Catholic Church teachings and the Protestant Church teachings. Christ can meet those people where they're at and experience salvation. They can't when they're atheist. They can't when they're agnostic. Mm. They can't when they're Hindu. They can't when they're Buddhist. They can't when they're Muslim. The only work is through the work of Jesus Christ and really his work and that everyone else really— in, it's talking about works getting us to God. And the Catholic Church, if you really follow the teachings, works follow yeah. the work that Christ did in us. And you've articulated that before. So, yeah. yes, absolutely. Okay, well, thank you. I, I get frustrated by that. Like, And I think it's – you said something about early in this episode about misunderstandings. Mm-hmm. And, and I just – I appreciate that about our conversations because it's like you can clear some of this stuff up. And um, even even from my, my understanding of your point of view, it's like – uh, you know, I, I sometimes I get into that habit of being like, well, you know, y- yes, Protestants can be saved, 
but in spite of the fact that they're not in the church. Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want the I don't want the same kind of uh, thinking to happen the other direction. I don't want to be like, well, yes, yeah, some Catholics are probably saved, but that's only in spite of the fact that they're in the Catholic Church. Right. No, I think I think where the gospel is preached, and and I, that's all I want. That's all, that's all I want Protestants to know. It's like, yes, I don't care what Catholic Church you're going to, or what any one Catholic might say wrong. The Church is proclaiming Christ and Christ crucified mm-hmm. for our salvation, and that's. Um, Amen. <laughs> that's that's Christian. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Okay. Last one to clear up. Um, I this this is be interesting. To what degree you started the episode off saying Protestant, and I don't I don't know. I don't think a lot of Christians like that word mm. to be called Protestant. I, it's my experience is like they want to be a Methodist or a Baptist or something, or maybe just like evangelical, mm-hmm. non-denominational yeah. is one that they yeah. love. I think I think Protestants yeah. love. Yeah, they want to be tied to a denomination. And I always laugh about that. It's like. It's like, not denominational is a denomination, right? Come on, but, but they don't have the authority structure yeah. a lot of times, yeah. you know. So, and to me, it's like that's oh, not a good thing, right? But, oh yeah, agreed. Here's this: so, to what degree, as a Protestant, do you find your Christian identity in contrast to the Catholic Church? Like when you're up, because a lot of times I'm in this position where like I don't even think twice about about Protestant. Uh, churches and stuff like that. Like I'm, I'm going and doing my Catholic thing and I'm not threatened by, but mm. sometimes I'll get into these ap- apologetic things and it's like, <clears throat> dang, some of these Protestants are like, the only reason for their existence is to be in contrast to the Catholic church. Mm. Like that's gotta be a weird existence. I don't know. It, it is in part of your upbringing. Is that, has it been like part of your identity been like, we're not yeah. that. Yeah. Well, yes, I think so. Even before I really went to church, even somehow I remember a conversation in sixth grade or seventh, one of the two, um, I remember talking to a kid who said he was Catholic and I went, and he says he's Christian. And we had that debate, you know, okay. and, like, and somehow at that point, you know, I was like, you're what? No, like, you know, yeah. like, no, we're not the same. I didn't know anything about it really, but I was like, no, we're not the same. I, you know, just so there was yeah. something in me that was, like, yeah, that's different, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think it is deeply rooted in there. Like we're not Catholic, you know, that, yeah, we really have broke off, you know, yeah. from the Catholic church because we have found the true way and they had gone astray. And so we rescued, you know, Martin Luther. Yeah. Rescued. <laughs> and, and of course I don't, you know, and then yes, and that spurned all these different because of the Protestant movement. Then somebody protested, and then they broke more. It's like and that's, more. that's like the default yeah. mechanism. You just yeah. keep oh, protesting. We you know, we we're Church of God, but you know, there's like Church of God Finley and then Church of God Anderson, and they broke off years ago. It had something to do with worship preferences and stuff okay. like that. You know, yeah. it's like from what I understand, and it's like so that's splintering. It's discouraging. Yeah, it is. Discouraging. I'm not saying it doesn't happen in the Catholic Church. Like, there's definitely. You know your your little pockets or your yeah. little your little clicks. Yeah, but they they still fall under the Catholic, and we'd probably still fall under the Protestant. You know, mm-hmm. we would say that we. Yeah. But it, it, what degree it you know? I mean, it certainly is there. It's overarching. Um, is it there in sermons? Like, are you hearing that on a regular basis, or not? Not in my church, you know. But I mean, there are people that definitely harp on that. They will call. I mean, they'll go and say false teaching of Catholics. Uh, I'll hear preachers say that. 
a few times I will hear the word like cult. Yeah. You know, it's a cult. Um, and no, I wouldn't, you know, that's not, again, again, if you're in like a Mormon church, even you know, people try and make the distinction there, like, oh, this is the same. No, it is not the same. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like that, that's not teaching. You, you start clicking, oh, it looks like we're the same. And then you get to the, the uh, next page on their site, you start reading on their stuff. He's like, well, okay, front page, it looks the same. And yeah. then back here, but no, so that's there. I don't see people coming to Christ in the Mormon church, you know, where I see people coming to Christ in the Catholic Church, I do know some people that have converted from Protestant to Catholic, and it's really interesting yeah. to to hear their discussion, their experiences. I can three three off the top of my head that I know have converted and just shared their experiences and so forth. Um, I will say one in particular always is looking for a debate. You know, like okay. they're they're out. It's just the need to like fight the differences and stuff, yeah. and you know, and that's where we we run into trouble. Probably and stuff. on both sides. Yeah. 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 Yeah, well, interesting. I I think um, yeah, if if one of the impediments we were talking recently here uh, to unity, right, is that that we're hyper focused on differences and wanting to, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It, yeah, definitely. You know, that's why I love you know C.S. Lewis Lewis's book Mere Christianity. It was such a rock solid book uh, that yeah. you know. And one of the things he even said in his intro is like, I had like four different people read my book. I don't know if you know this or not. He said I had four different people read my book, and basically like I can't remember what he says exactly, but it was you know one was a Catholic and you know some mainline Christian denominations or whatever, and uh, maybe one was Pentecostal in there even, and basically like. Oh, the the Catholics said I needed to focus a little bit more on works, and the Pentecostals said I need to talk a little bit more about the Holy Spirit. But other than that, there was a lot of unity in what I'm saying. And so that's what C.S. Lewis was saying. Yeah, even though there was just that small critique, like, I would like to see more a little bit about works, the Catholic says. Well, makes sense, you know, and the other, like to see more. I can't remember if it was Pentecostal, the Holy Spirit or something, but they were united on that belief of what Christ has done. And that's what C.S. Lewis I did, did brilliantly, I think, in that, to try and mm-hmm. stick to, here's what we believe, folks. Yeah. Here is the truth, and and this is how you can experience salvation for anyone. But mm-hmm. but to be clear, Acts 4.12, you know, under no, you know, under name of no one else but Jesus Christ, can you be saved, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. And so that's proclaimed in the Catholic Church, that's proclaimed in most of the Protestant denominations, Um Today, you know, sometimes he's a unique way. He's not the only way. They're going to false teachings. Jesus himself, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what we unite under. That's why at the end of the day, after all of this being said and done, I don't know that I'm going to listen to poo with what the Pope says. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I'm going to pray pray to Mary or, or, you know, put any money to help with purgatory or anything like that. I don't know. I, I don't know that has changed a lick of where I stand. Uh, but if anything, you know, um, I want to just, you know, we did this another episode. I want to do it now. I, I'm gonna. I think we need to end with a prayer. I'm okay. gonna pray. Yeah. And then, and then, if you want to chime in, you can, or we'll just say, "Let's roll," you know, and you'll, you know, go from there. Okay. But, dear Lord, we thank you that we are able to just come here and uh, unite on what is true and discuss peaceably, not angrily, um, about what we believe. That thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. That we're not throwing mud across the table with a brother because we don't see eye to eye. And we pray that there will be. Uh, Protestant uh, denominations and in the Catholic Church, the unity across the board in our communities, rural and urban, uh, about the uniting under the banner of Jesus Christ for our salvation 
and then go from there and go and make disciples, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Never marching orders, man. Let's roll. Thanks for tuning in to the Manhood Restored podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and share. Also, be sure to like us on Facebook at Manhood Restored Podcast. To check out past episodes and show notes, go to manhoodrestored.tv. You can send us feedback and episode ideas to mightymen at manhoodrestored.tv. That's mightymen at manhoodrestored.tv. Be blessed and be brave. Until next time, mighty men of valor. <laughs>